Man, if we would have done this chapter before COVID hit last year, it would have helped a lot of us. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time tonight. Lord, I thank you that you love when your people meet together and you love to show up. And so, Lord, we pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would begin to move upon our hearts. God, we're asking for change. We're asking for transformation. We thank you that it's available tonight. Lord, that you can speak a simple word to our hearts and we can be changed forever. So I pray that you would begin to speak and I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray for good soil tonight. So we open up our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in talking about anxiety, fear, and depression, I'm just going to put this out there to you. Obviously, there's a lot of different scenarios and types of things that, you know, come along with this, but I'm really going to do my best to simplify this because God's answer is really simple. And, then, and sometimes we can be really complex and things are confusing and there's so many things going on. Well, tonight, my goal is to really simplify our issue and then put forth God's simple answer for us. Before we do that, it's going to be really important to, for us to read something. So flip back to page 6. When talking about anxiety, fear, and depression, what we're really doing tonight is we're getting into your belief system. We're going to find out what you really believe about God. We're going to find out who you think he really is. Because we can come in here and we're all in a good mood and whatever, and we have good days and good weeks. But when we talk about fear, anxiety, and depression, what's going to happen is the core belief in you is going to get exposed. And you're going to see whether you're building upon the rock or are you building upon emotions. So let's read what our brother A.W. Tozer said, page 6. Two primary keys to healing and restoration. <clears throat> Number one, the quote underneath that, he says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. The man who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. Do you believe that? That if you simply think right about who God is, and you experience God for who He really is, and you know Him for who He really is, will that not solve a lot of problems? I believe that. You're agreeing with me right now, but we're going to keep on going and see if we actually believe that. Okay? And so, there's a book um, I have as a reference, and the subtitle to the book says how your emotions reveal your deep questions about God. And so often we're afraid of our emotions, but as redeemed people of God, we don't need to be afraid of our emotions, but we need to realize 
anxiety, fear, depression, those things come to the surface, maybe there is a question, a deep question in our heart that we have about God. And we don't need to be afraid to ask Him and seek Him on it. Look at the first section there, Luke 21. The second quote, the middle in between the red lines. Jesus says this, And on the earth, distress or anxiety or worry of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. He's talking about the days of his return. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. Depression, hopelessness, with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. Watch, therefore, and pray always. So we look at anxiety, fear, and depression, and Jesus is saying, guess what? It's going to come. There's going to be stumbling blocks that are going to be put out there. There are going to be tests, trials, and temptations on this very issue, and it's not simply going to go away. And so if we don't understand how to overcome this, then we're going to struggle for a very, very long time. And it's not God's heart that we struggle again and again over this, but he wants to empower us to overcome this. So part one, we're going to talk about anxiety first, and then we'll hit fear and depression. A couple quotes here. I like these. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. John Stott says, A Christian's freedom from anxiety is not due to some guaranteed freedom from trouble, but to the confidence that God is our Father. So in talking about anxiety, if you, do, if you look online, it's going to say that's probably one of the number one mental uh, health issues in our nation, anxiety and worry. But at the root of this, and, and once again, I'm just going to do my best to simplify these issues. At the root of anxiety, in the, the, first, the bottom section there, <clears throat> there's a couple of questions. In the first of the bottom paragraph there, at the root of your anxiety and worry is the heart's cry that is asking, God, can I really trust you? Is it even safe to release control of my life to you? So the things that you are anxious about, whether it's money, your children, family, your job, you fill in the blank, whatever it is, fill in the blank. What are you anxious about? What are you so worried about that it disables you at times? Whatever that thing is, if you look behind it, what your heart is really crying out, God, are you trustworthy? I don't know, I don't think I can trust you. And Jesus commands us in Matthew 6, three or four times, to not worry. And why do you think he says that? Because he he knows who he is. He knows that he's in control. And he wants you to grow in confidence in him. And so if you are a worry war and you are anxious all the time, 
then that means your confidence level in the Lord is not as high as you think it is. And you have to come to grips with that. So identifying the lies you have believed about God as Father. So, once again, what are you anxious about? What's the lie you are believing about God concerning your anxiety? And then is God really that way? So the first thing here, God as my Father is not fully trustworthy. I trust Him on some things, but I don't trust Him in everything. So He's not really trustworthy. Then we start getting anxious about things. Number two, God as my Father does not care about me. I have to do everything on my own. If I don't do it, who will? That kind of attitude, what we're saying is, God, you actually don't care about me. Number three, God as my Father is disinterested in the small details of my life. And number four, God as my Father doesn't have a plan and doesn't know what He is doing. So therefore, who knows what's going to happen? Therefore, I'm afraid of the future. Oh gosh, I'm anxious now. I'm worried. But the core question, the core issue is, can you really trust Him? Is God trustworthy? For real. With your kids, with your finances. I remember when Allison and I first stepped into ministry, we took a huge pay cut. And so the question before me, is God trustworthy? If He's leading you in this direction, Brandon, can you trust Him? And of course, like, oh yeah, yeah, he's trustworthy, praise God, you know. We, we, we say that, but really, do you really trust him? So, next section, inserting the truths about who God really is. So a lot of this, this is just, this is a discipleship issue. This is a Bible getting in the word issue and knowing God for who he really is. So God as my Father is faithful and trustworthy. I'm going to read some scripture here. 2 Timothy 2.13 If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Deuteronomy 7.9 Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. 2 Thessalonians but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Revelation 19.11 Then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. So tell me, what are you worried and anxious about again? Do you really trust him? His name is faithful and true. In other words, he's absolutely 100% trustworthy with everything. Your money, your kids, your job, everything. Everything. He is faithful. 
<clears throat> okay, moving on to fear. All right, I've told you guys I'm just going to, we're going, making it simple here. We're not going to make it confusing and get into all these type of things here. We're going to the next one. Moving on, fear. That second quote by Francis Frangipane, he says, anytime we open up, we open ourselves up to fear, we fall prey to his deceptions and intentions. Yet, if we submit our hearts to God and stand in faith, we can resist those first fearful thoughts. As we yield to God, we can master our reactions to fear, and the enemy will soon flee. Next quote, Max Lucado says, good. The presence of fear does not mean you have no faith. Fear visits everyone. But make your fear a visitor and not a resident. That's the same thing with anxiety and depression, these things. Are we going to allow them to be our best friends and we just get real comfortable with them because we just have to accept it for whatever reason? But let's hold on. Let's go back before we get into fear anymore. Let's go back to anxiety. I want us to take a minute or two. Let's ask the Lord, Lord, what am I most anxious about? I want you to identify, okay, because we're going to pray here at the end, and if you don't know what you're anxious about, then, then it's hard to pray for you, okay? The Lord deals with specifics, not just general, I'm anxious about life. Okay, no, no. What about your life? makes you anxious. Okay, so I'm going to be quiet for a moment and just ask the Lord. We just want to identify. Why are you so anxious? Okay. All right, so I looked down here, and I realized I didn't hit two, three, and four of that last part. Is that right? Did I miss that? Okay. That's why I felt like we weren't supposed to move on just yet. Thank you, Lord. All right, number two, so in, in anxiety part here still, so God as my Father really does care for me. First Peter talks about humbling yourselves, casting all your cares upon God. Why? Because he cares for you. The third, God, my Father, is deeply concerned about the minor details of my life. In Luke, it says, If then God so clothes the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. So today the Lord kept track how many times you sat down and stood up. He's watching you. 
He cares about you. The, de- the small details, not just the big ones, the small ones. Do you believe that? Do you think that? The fourth one, God as my Father is in control, and He is the one who has the plan that truly matters. Ephesians 1 says, just as He chose us in Him, when? Before the foundation of the world, that we should uh, be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Paul says, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to live humbly. I know how to live in prosperity everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So there's no need to worry. So if you really, really, going back to what A.W. Tozer said, We're getting to what you really believe and what you really think God to be like. That's directly connected to to with why you are so anxious and so worried all the time. It's directly connected. Okay, now we can move on to fear. Okay, just simplifying fear in that first paragraph. There are many, the second sentence, or the third sentence, there are many different people, or many different ways people manifest fear, but the underlying question at the root of our fear, here it is, God, will you protect me? God, are you even with me? Will you protect me? Are you with me? Look at the next section, identifying lies. Once again, behind your fear, there is a lie that you are believing about God. What lie are you believing about God? Number one, God is my Father. will protect me sometimes... Not all the time. You know what? You probably deserve it. You probably did something bad. Probably sinned. Said something wrong. Did something. Therefore, you deserve for God to depart from you for a little bit. And maybe when you're on your best behavior, He'll protect you all the time. But you better be on your best behavior. Otherwise, God won't protect you. Okay? He's he's a father that's just like in the picture when it's good, but He's out of the picture when it's bad. It's like mom and dad, when you hit the winning shot, they're on the court with you, cheering with you, but when you missed it, don't really associate with you. Number two, God is my father, doesn't mind if I'm tormented and troubled with fear because he's teaching me a lesson. To go a little further, I actually think the Lord is, he takes pleasure in me being tormented. Once again, I kind of deserve it. You know, I I guess we all kind of do. 
But God as Father, it's your punishment. Live in fear. He's punishing you right now. Maybe that's the lie behind your fear that you're believing. Number three, God as my Father is not always with me. And since I can't feel Him, I know He's deserted me. Number four, God as my Father doesn't love me. So, who's going to protect you? Who's going to care for you? Is He even with you? But here, let's look at some truths here about who God is. God is my Father, number one, will always protect me even when I mess up. 1 John 2 says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The difference between Jesus as our advocate and Jesus as our intercessor. An intercessor stands in between two parties. An advocate stands with a party. And he's standing on our side as we approach the Father, and he's pleading our case. And he's saying, Father, they have sinned. But he, has, he or she, my son or daughter, they've repented, and my blood covers them. That's Jesus as your advocate. He's by your side as you approach the Father. Luke 15, listen to the prodigal son. He, I mean, he messed up, right? He totally messed up. And here's the response of, the, of, of his dad when he returned. His, the son repented. He, he comes home. And it says, But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is, and is alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. Does that sound like a father that's just excited for you when you're tormented in fear and wandering and lost? Number two, God as my Father does not rejoice when I feel tormented or troubled by fears, but He is the one who actually delivers me from them. So instead of just sitting back and watching you and just kind of happy and, and rejoicing over your fears, no, He actually gets in the game. He gets in there with you and He wants to be your deliverer. Do you actually believe that? Psalm 34, I sought the Lord, he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And they looked to him and were radiant, their faces were not ashamed. Psalm 56, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God I have put my trust, I will not fear, what can flesh do to me? Deuteronomy 32, the song of Moses, Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him, and he will provide atonement for his land and his people. The Lord is your avenger. That's who he is. Do you believe that? For real? So when fear, when fear comes knocking, it looks like someone's going to hurt you, someone's going to harm you, 
you are in a really pressurized situation, is that how you see God? He is the deliverer. And number four, or number three, keep skipping over him tonight. God is my Father, is always with me, and nothing can change that, not even my feelings. Guys, for those who are in Christ, if you say that you're in Christ and you believe that you're in Christ, okay, you don't believe me. Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Paul says, for I am persuaded. He's not wavering on this. Like, oh, good day, he's not with me. Or, bad day, or good day, he's with me. Bad day, he's, he's distant. I don't know where he's at. No, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, nothing can separate you. Deuteronomy, be strong. This is chapter 31, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. I told you guys earlier, this is just Bible. I'm just going to simplify it, make it as simple as possible, and we're going right to the Word, right to the root issue. John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So who can snatch you out of the hands of Jesus? Okay, so do you really, for real, believe that? He goes on to say, My Father who has given them, um, his sheep, given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So who's able to snatch you out of the Father's hand? No one. No one is. Okay, well, hey, man, what if, what if I sin? What happens then? You have an advocate. Are you willing to repent? If you're willing to repent. But if you don't want to repent and you want to go on and continue in your sin, then that's not somebody snatching you out of the Father's hand, that's you turning your back and walking away from the Lord. And He's not going to force you to stay. He's not going to manipulate you to stay. He's going to put His offer out there. Just like in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. The father didn't kick the son out the house and say, you go, you're worthless. No, the son said, hey, I've got a better idea. And he just leaves. Let's, let's wait here because it's on record. Okay. Number four. God is my father. 
loves me deeply, and that is why he sent his Spirit and his Son. 1 John 4, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. So why does God's love have to cast out perfect fear? Or why does God's perfect love have to cast out fear? His love has to cast out fear because fear involves torment. His love involves comfort and care. So the reason we're afraid is because we believe we're going to be tormented by someone or something. Think about it. When fear enters, enter, <clears throat> enters your life, something in you is starting to believe, okay, something's going to happen to me. I'm afraid. Who's going to take care of me? Who cares about me? Does anyone care? Does anyone see? Torment. Fear involves torment. Your fear, the fears in your life involve being tormented by something or someone. But the Father says, no, I'm going to release my perfect love to you my perfect care, my comfort, my presence, his love. It's very simple. And it's going to drive out your fear. You're going to realize, oh, God, you really do care about me. You, like, for real, you really do. And it's like the light bulb, ding. You finally get it. First John 3, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Romans 5.5, 5, the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. In John 16, Jesus says, for the Father himself loves you. Okay. Let's take another moment here to ask the Lord to think about what are you afraid of? What's the fears in your life? Let's just identify them right now. Part three, <clears throat> depression, going through a really dark season. I want to put this out there. Just because you had one bad day does not mean you're in depression. Okay. Even if you just had a bad week, that doesn't mean you're depressed. Okay. Just say, hey, I had a bad week. I had a bad day. I feel down today. A lot of times we use that word depressed, and we're, you're not depressed, okay? It's called life. It's called some weeks, you, you just don't have the goods. And here's the thing, you spent time with the Lord, 
I mean, you worshiped, you, you were fellowshiping with the body, and guess what? You just had a bad week. You just had an off week. It's okay. Like, you're free to have a bad week and a bad day. Just don't be too destructive, all right? Just don't blow up everyone else's spot and do all kinds of crazy stuff. All right, just have a bad day on your own. Like, don't ruin other people's day. But is that, is that okay? I mean, do you, do you guys think, like myself and David Barry, you think every day, like, we're, like, in the glory and we're just, like, just... Maybe, maybe those guys are. They've been doing a lot longer than I have. But I have bad days. I have off days. I have days where I, I don't even know what the problem is. I just, I'm off, whatever. I don't know. But I still do the best I can. All right? But to start saying I'm depressed and I'm going through, uh, you know, depression, I would say, well, hold on here. Okay? If you're in depression, we're talking about consistent. We're talking about constant sadness, hopelessness, despair. And it's not just a day or a week, it's months. If you're in a dark season, it's months, years. Okay, so let's make sure we're clear on that. But nonetheless, if it's months or years, what I'm describing tonight still holds true. What is the lie behind the emotion? So you're depressed. You've been depressed for months and years, or maybe you're having some really bad days and you've been a little off recently, a little more than normal. Okay, tell me. We identify the emotion. What, what's, the, what's the voice behind the emotion? If you look in the first... Or let's look at Psalm 22, or Psalm 42. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Even Charles Spurgeon, Spurgeon, the quote above, he went through some dark seasons, felt depression came over him for a period of time. Look what he says, I find myself frequently depressed, perhaps more so than any other person here. And I find no better cure for that depression, uh uh-oh, he's getting to the answer, than to trust in the Lord with all my heart and to seek to realize afresh the power of the peace-speaking blood of Jesus and his infinite love in dying upon the cross to put away all my transgressions. There's a place for getting professional help and all of those things. And there's a place for this doctor that I know. You may know the doctor too. But do you really know him? His name is Jesus. Do you really, really know him? Okay, so let's identify some lies here. You're in... A season of depression, been off more than normal. Number one, God as my Father is not with me. He has left me and abandoned me. He leaves just like everyone else. Everyone else in my life left me. He leaves too. I mean, he shows up every once in a while, but God, where are you? You left me. You don't love me. You don't like me. 
What did I do? What's the lie? Number two, God as my Father is not interested in my life anymore. He's stoic. He's distant. He's on his throne. Always on his throne. Number three, God as my Father can take me out of this season, but he doesn't want to. I mean, he's so powerful. He's sovereign. He's omnipotent. He's, he's God, right? He's, he could easily just make things better, but he doesn't want to. Therefore, I believe he's not a good father. He's, he's, he's an okay father. He's okay. But he's not a good father. Don't, don't use that term with God. He's not, God is not good. The fourth lie we could be believing, God is my father. He's cruel to me and is just fine when I suffer. He's always trying to teach me a lesson. I just got to suffer. Things, just, things have to be hard for no reason. That's just God. He makes life hard for no reason. Just so he can kind of, I don't know, make me miserable. He kind of enjoys it. Like, so he's cruel. He's a father who's cruel. He's mean. He's angry. I did something. What did I do? I don't know. Let me pray. Let me search my heart. Can't find anything, but he's still angry with me. He's still pretty cruel towards me. Once again, we're looking at the emotion and trying to identify the lie that's behind it. What is the lie that's fueling your anxiety, your fear, your depression? Okay, inserting truths about who God really is. Number one, God as my Father is always with me, and because of Christ, I will never be abandoned and left alone. My God desires to comfort me. Psalm 9, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time, times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, Lord, have not forsaken, he's not forsaken, those who seek him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, who comforts us in all in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by. That's who God is. Do you believe that? That's who He is. Or do you believe the lie behind what you're feeling? Number two, God as my Father will impart His life and breath to me every day, day by day, because He cares for me. I used to think, I used to not want to be so needy with the Lord and ask Him for things, but, but when you really find out, I count, like, you really are needy for the Lord. I realized, you know what, Lord, I'm needy. I'm not ashamed. I, I, I need you. I need your Holy Spirit to come upon me. I need you to open up my heart to your word. I need you to do something in me to help me to love you more. I'm needy. I'm dependent. 
on growing independence. So, 2 Peter, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, and we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. His power right now is keeping you. The power of his hand is keeping you in Christ. And the devil is not stronger than him. We know that. But think about it. His very power is is surrounding you and keeping you in Christ. You're not keeping yourself in Christ on your own. If you're keeping yourself in Christ on your own, then what do you need Christ for? You, You got it. You're good. No, his powers is actually keeping you. Romans 15 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. There is hope for God's people. We are the only people of hope on the earth. No one else has hope like we do. Number three, God is my Father may not take me out of this season right away. Can we swallow that? God, as your Father, may not take you out of the season you're in right away. That's going to require trust on your end. Do you trust Him? He knows what's best. He may not take you out right away. But, here's the good part. He is with you and he will soon deliver you psalm 34 the righteous cry out and the lord hears and delivers them out of all their fears or their troubles the lord is near to those who have a broken heart and sees those who have a contrite spirit many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers them all. He tells you, many are the afflictions. This season is going to be difficult. But the Lord is your deliverer. Is that enough for you? Psalm 23, I love this. And we all know this. Yeah, though I walk through. What are you walking through? The valley the shadow of death. He doesn't say you're sprinting through it. No, no, you're not running. You know when you're a little kid and it's dark and you get kind of scared, you start, you pick up, you start running, someone behind you. This is not that. He says, you're going to walk through this season, nice and slow. He's not in a hurry, so stop trying to be in a hurry. But he goes on to say, I will fear no evil. Why? He says, for you are with me. So as you're walking through this dark season, who's with you? Jesus. And he's taking his time. He's not in a hurry. He's like, oh, what's that over there? Yeah. Hmm, it's kind of dark over there. 
Look at that right there. Here you are trying to sprint, get out of where God wants you to be. He's like, no, come on, take a walk. And then you finally, you, you finally see his rod and his staff. And you're like, oh, <laughs> like you really do have all authority. You really do. You see his staff? His staff is his staff of leadership and authority. His rod is a rod of correction and discipline. So you got to see that. You're walking through a very dark season in a dark place. He is going to simply just walk with you. And maybe you'll get to learn a little more about him, that he's not afraid of the dark. Number four. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he's not afraid of the dark. God is my father, brings discipline into my life for my benefit because he loves me, because he cares. Proverbs 4, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects just as a father and the son in whom he delights. Hebrews 12, for God corrects us for our profit that we may be partakers in his holiness. He doesn't correct us for his good. He corrects us for our good. Hebrews 12. If you feel like you're really in a dark season, Hebrews 12, verse 3, grab hold of this. says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So have you considered him? I mean, he's on the cross, and he yells out, Father, why have you forsaken me? And you may be feeling like the Lord has forsook you in this season. Consider him. Consider Jesus. He was forsaken. There were plenty of times for him to to walk in fear, anxiousness. Consider him. Yet he chose to submit, yield his heart, his life to the Father. Complete trust and surrender. That's what we're here to, to do tonight. We're here to surrender. We're here to put our trust in him. So, here's what we're going to do. If you feel like you have issues with anxiety, I want you to come forward over here. If you feel like you have issues with fear, here depression over there. And here's how we are going to pray, okay? Sorry, here's how you're going to pray. Our core team and our deacons will come forward and they're going to help you. They're going to be with you, okay? But you're going to do most of the praying, right? Because this needs to come from you. Your belief system has to be engaged. I can't believe for you. I can't pray for you. No, no, you have a a relationship with Jesus. He wants to hear you talk to him. And so we're just simply going to stand with you and next to you. So a couple things here. Okay, you need to identify the lie behind the emotion. 
whether it's anxiety, fear, or depression, you need to identify what is the lie you're believing. It could be something that's like really um, like an awe moment or it could be something that sounds really stupid and dumb, but you actually believe it. That's okay. Identify the lie you're believing, okay? We're not going to be up here just and, and swing a bat and hopefully hit, hopefully hit the ball and find out the lie you've been believing, okay? We're not going to do karate and try to end the spirit and just try to chop everything off and hopefully you come out okay. No, no. What is the lie? Be specific as possible. Identify it. Once you've identified it, you need to repent. Lord, I've believed this lie. Lord, I believed it. I'm see, like, Lord, you've just revealed it to me. I see it. I see the lie I've been believing. I repent, Lord. I turn from that. And then step into agreement with the truth. God, the truth is you won't leave me. You won't forsake me. The truth is you have all authority and power. Start speaking, declaring the truth. And if, you, and if you honestly don't know what the truth is, that's okay. Be honest with yourself. And that's why we're up here. We can help identify some truth. Okay? And all we're going to do is we're going to just begin speaking the word. We're going to begin speaking God's heart. And then as you are praying these things, as you're confessing to the Lord and we're standing with you, when you're done, we're just going to pray over you. We're going to pray spirit of fear or anxiety or depression to leave your life. And then we'll bless you in Jesus' name. Okay? So identify the lie. Repent of the lie. Step, in, step into the truth. Agree with the truth.